Acts chapter 1. Anybody else tonight before I preach? Acts chapter 1. We're going to have a few minutes of fellowship after the service. In fact, we're going to go out here. My wife has a birthday this week, and so we're going to go out here and just spend a few minutes of fellowship together for Miss Tammy. And so because of that, I'm going to be very brief tonight, very, very brief. And uh, we'll be out of here in just a few minutes, and we'll be heading toward the fellowship hall. Um, I want to speak to you about a different subject, as you can see on the screen there tonight. Why Peter would not speak critically of Judas. And so, Acts chapter 1 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. I've got 15 through 20 on the screen, but I want to, re- I want to do a little bit more than that. And so, uh, Acts chapter 1, and let's start in verse number 12, and we're going to read down actually through verse number 26, so you get a good idea of what's going on tonight. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 12, the Bible says, then return they Unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. It's about a half a mile. And um, my wife and I were privileged to make that same, we made that same track, that same Sabbath day's journey from, uh, from mount, the Mount of Olives down to uh, Jerusalem there. And those of you who will be going with us to, to the Holy Land, Lord willing, we'll be, we'll be making that track as well. Verse 13, and when they were come in, They went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names, a number of names together were about 120 Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he, talking about Judas, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man, talking about Judas, purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, Asodama, that is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two. Joseph called Barsippus, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And you may be seated tonight. Odd title, but it's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. So give me about about 30 minutes, maybe not even 30 minutes tonight. 
and we'll have our invitation and we'll head on over to the fellowship hall this evening. Why Peter would not speak critically of Judas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Oh, Lord, thank you for meeting with us tonight. Lord, thank you for your sweet and wonderful presence. God, we thank you for what you did this morning. And, and Lord, I want to thank you for coming by our way tonight. And Lord, letting us brush by the hem of your garment. We thank you for that. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for that reminder of where we would be had it not been for our Savior. God, thank you for that. Thank you for a wonderful time of worship tonight. And now, Lord, as we take just a few moments, this is not a flashy title and it's definitely not a flashy outline tonight, but I want to just share a few thoughts with your people and, and I pray that we'll say something that would honor you, glorify you, and something that would build our church family and uh, help us in these coming days. So, Father, breathe upon us tonight. Fill us with your spirit. Save that one that's lost and undone without Christ and encourage that one that's discouraged. And God, be with us tonight and direct this service, please. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. And, Father, for his sake, we pray. Amen. It's been 40 days since these men have seen the Savior crucified. And so they're still reeling from the emotion. And now think about that, 30 days, 40 days, that's not much time. The one whom they loved is gone. They've traveled with him for at least three years now and he has poured into them Day after day after day, he's taught them. He's performed miracles amidst, uh, around them. He's fed them. He's loved them. He's protected them. He's taken care of them. And now the one whom they loved is gone. And maybe even more importantly, the one who loved them is gone. And he's not just gone, he's been betrayed. He has been sold out. And then there's another little element that they understood completely that we don't quite understand. But the one who they thought would possibly set up his kingdom right then, that's sort of what they were hoping for, what they were thinking. They knew he was going to be the king. They were hoping he was going to be the king right then. And, and they were hoping to to reign with him at that present time. And they thought maybe that he would set up his kingdom at that very moment. And now that king, now that Lord of lords is now absent in their life. Well, can you, can you just sort of put yourself in their spot for just a few minutes? Can you feel their hurt? 40 days. You know what that tells us? That tells us that the wound is still very, very fresh. They're still bleeding emotionally. Man, they are hurting. <laughs> they are hurting. And now it's time to, to replace one of the 12 that's no longer with them. They're gonna fill the void left by Judas. And, and here's something that might be a little sharp as well. They're gonna replace Judas not because Judas has died of natural death. <laughs> 
but they're going to replace Judas because he has committed suicide following his selling out of the Savior. I read this passage a few weeks ago, and God began to speak to my heart, and and I noticed something that I never really noticed before as I was reading through this, and the disciples have, uh, the apostles have met in the upper room, and, and Peter, sort of the leader of the group, Peter begins to stand up before them, and he begins to uh, sort of recap what has happened in the last few days, and, and he says, fellas, it's time that we, uh, that we fill the void that's been left by, by Judas. I, one of the things that really stood out to me about Acts chapter 1 is that I noticed that Peter's words concerning Judas were not harsh, nor were they critical. Now, I think that's saying something, especially about Peter. (laughs) Because if you know anything about Peter, and I know that you do, Peter was usually the one, if anyone was going to stick their foot in their mouth, Peter was the one that was going to do it. Peter was the outspoken one of the bunch. He was usually the one that was going to speak before thinking he was usually the one that was going to speak before anyone else. And, and yet we find in Acts chapter 1, we find that Peter's words are quite respectful and very appropriate. I wrote this down in my outline. As I read Acts chapter 1, I sense no spirit of cynicism or criticism. By the way, you can find cynicism, cynicism in the Bible. It's there. If you look through it, I'm going to think about that a little bit. I thought, you know, are there some passages in the, in the Word of God where there is actually a, a hint of cynicism? And there is. There, in fact, there are quite a few of them. I'll give you just a few. How about John chapter 1? Remember when Philip was talking to Nathaniel and he said to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you've got to come see Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, Nazareth, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? that hint of cynicism. I thought about Acts chapter 26 where the apostle Paul is speaking before Festus and uh, after he gets done delivering his address, Festus says to Paul with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. And he said, much learning doth make thee mad. Paul, all your learning has made you crazy. You're crazy. Again, there's that hint of cynicism. Remember the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 where little David comes out before Goliath and, and nobody uh, among the Israelites wants to fight the giant. All of a sudden, here comes this little Israelite boy that's just as handsome as can be, probably a redhead, and he runs out with this pocket full of rocks and a slingshot. And remember what, uh, remember what Goliath said to David? He said, am I a dog? that thou comest to me with staves or sticks. There's that hint of cynicism. But when we read Acts chapter one and Peter is talking to the apostles about Judas, this one that has betrayed the son of God, this one that has sold out the Lord Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver, it's interesting that we find really not one hint of criticism, not one hint of cynicism among him. Peter's words uh, are not critical at all. And I want to tell you tonight quickly, and we'll do this uh, very fast tonight, but why Peter would not speak critically of Judas, some things I want to give you tonight. Number one is this. I believe, first of all, it's because Peter loved Judas. He loved him. I believe that with all my heart. I believe, I believe this. I believe that truthfully, I believe that Peter was heartbroken 
because Judas ended his life so wastefully. And so that day as they came together as apostles and they were getting ready to, to bring another uh, on, so to speak, uh, I believe this, I believe that I believe that in Peter's heart of hearts, I believe that his heart was broken. Did you know tonight, when you really care about someone and they stumble, you still love them. That's Christianity, by the way. That's real Christianity. Now, those Pharisees, and, and I'm thankful, I'm so thankful that I don't pastor uh, a church full of Pharisees, but uh, Pharisees are not like that. Pharisees, when somebody falls, they kick more dirt on them and they tell how bad they are and, uh, and uh, they just heap criticism upon them. Uh, I'm gonna say tonight, Calvary, it's very hard, and especially as a pastor, it's hard to see people crash and burn, but when they crash and burn, you know what? You still love them just like you did before. Did you know tonight the Christian life is about saving people? Not about condemning people. You don't have to turn that. I'll just read these for you tonight. Listen to these words in Jude chapter 1 and verse number 21. Jude said, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. How about what James said in James chapter five and verse number 19, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. How about what the preacher said in Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse number nine, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor for if they fall the one will lift up his fellow oh listen to me Calvary did you know the mature child of God never rejoices when another Christian falls or stumbles or or makes their way into sin uh, the, the, the true spirit filled child of God never rejoices when somebody falls away from the things of the Lord Amen. well it's not like that around with, with everybody well, sometimes it's disturbing. Sometimes even preachers seem to have a very critical spirit. Sometimes, and this has happened through the years, I've saw some pastors that have, I've saw some pastors that have stumbled and I've saw some preachers that have fallen into sin. And then I've saw other preachers who almost gloated over the fact that those preachers fail. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I, you know what I believe? I don't believe that's the spirit of Christ. I don't believe you rejoice when somebody falls or someone stumbles. In fact, in fact, did you know that our Bible tells us that we're not even to be glad when our enemy falls? Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth lest the Lord see it and it displease him and he turn away his wrath from him. Oh, listen, this is all I'm saying. Uh, occasionally, here's what's gonna happen. As this church grows and more and more people come in and we need to pray, pray, pray as they sing tonight that this doesn't happen. But occasionally, we're gonna see folks fall. We're gonna see folks stumble. And can 
I just encourage us, man, don't go over and kick more dirt on them. Don't cast them down. Don't stone them. Don't throw rocks at them. But if you're going to do anything, go over to them and pick them up and dust them off and help them get back in the fight again and help them get back back in the family again. Oh, listen to me. Uh, listen, real Christian and real Christianity is loving other people. Even when they stumble. You know who was the ultimate example of this? Jesus was. Would you take your Bibles? Can I just show you this real quickly tonight? Would you take your Bibles and turn over to, to John chapter 21? John chapter 21 and look at verse number three with me. John 21 and verse number three. Now I'll give you a little background behind the story. Peter has denied the Lord. And the disciples have, have sort of went back to their old livelihood. And Peter said, I go fishing. And some of the disciples said, we go with you. And notice what happens in, in John chapter 21 and verse number three, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. And they said to him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. He knew who it was, didn't he? It's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land. But as it were, 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid their own in bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, and 150 and three. And for all that were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. Now, you get the picture here. Here were some men who uh, were discouraged. Here were some men who uh, had denied the Lord. Here were some men that, uh, in, in essence, were going back to their old livelihood, and yet the Lord Jesus came, and the Lord Jesus loved them right where they were, and he didn't, he didn't despise them. He didn't hate them. He didn't cast dispersions upon them, but thank God he loved them and showed them mercy and showed them compassion. Uh, you say, why, preacher? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord Jesus Christ loved them that way. He loved them. Did you know that life is way too short to be bitter against other people? It's way too short. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life tonight. Again, I, we, got, we got about, give me about 10 more minutes here. I don't know what's going on in your life tonight, but I want to tell you something. Whatever it is, it's not worth you staying bitter the rest of your life. Bitterness will kill you. It'll ruin you. It'll ruin your family. It'll ruin your marriage. It'll destroy your, it'll destroy your home. And you say, but pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. 
You don't know how they cheated me. You don't know what they said about me. You, you don't understand how they, uh, how they abused me, how they mistreated me. And you're right, I don't understand. But I do understand this, that if you allow that bitterness to stay in your life, it's going to ruin you. It's going to rob you of joy. It's going to rob you of contentment. It's going to rob you of living the victorious Christian life. And life's just way too short to go through life angry and mad and bitter about everything under the sun. We had years, years and years and years ago, we had a fellow that was attending this church. He's in heaven now. And he was a young man. And he came to this church and, and church, honestly, to this day, I don't, I don't know what I've done to the man. He never came to me. He never came and said, Pastor, I've, you know, I've got this against you or you did this or you offended me. He never done that. But boy, he got mad at me. He got mad, mad, mad. In fact, he came down here to the church and man, he wrote a letter and uh, Man, he left that letter and it was full of thorns and, and, and he told me just how despicable I was and how low I was and I was the worst excuse for a preacher that's ever been and, and just, I mean, man, he let me have it. I mean, he let me have it. You say, Pastor, what'd you do? I didn't do anything. I just kept on preaching. By the way, kept on loving him. I, I, you know what? After he wrote that letter, I felt about him the same way I felt about him before he wrote the letter. By the way, guess what? What goes around comes around, doesn't it? It was years later, he called me one day. He called me, he was, he was crying. And he said, preacher, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, I was so wrong. I was in the wrong. It was me. He said, I'm so sorry. I apologize. And, and he said, I, he said, I miss Calvary so bad. And he said, I, he said, I, I wish there was just some way that I could come back. And I said to this young man, come home, <laughs> come home. And, and somebody says, you mean to tell me that you would welcome him back after that letter he wrote? You better know I would. Why? Because I loved him before the letter and I loved him after the letter. And you know what? When you really know Jesus Christ, you just love people. And I think the reason that Peter didn't speak critically is because Peter loved Judas. Can I give you this second quickly? Oh, I definitely think this is true. Number two, I think Peter looked at Peter. Why would Peter not criticize this betrayer? Why would Peter, why would he not Hold, hold hard feelings in his heart against Judas. And I think it's because Peter looked at Peter. What do you mean, pastor? You see, Peter knew what Peter was capable of. You see, if you go back and read the story, it hasn't been too many days since Peter did something he said he'd never do. In fact, in Matthew 26, 35, you know what Peter said? Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Y'all remember that? And he told the Lord, Lord, I don't care. I'll die with you. I'll go to jail with you. But I promise you that I'll never deny you. But Peter, boy, Peter remembered. He remembered it well. He remembered that he denied the Lord. And Peter knew that he didn't have any room to criticize. This is so simple tonight, Calvary, but I believe this is helpful tonight. Can I just say this to us tonight? Don't ever forget where you came from. I'm glad Hannah sang that song tonight. Had it not been. Boy, where would we be without the Lord tonight? Don't ever forget where you came from. And by the way, don't ever forget what you're made of. 
Galatians 6.1 says it like this, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. It doesn't stop there. Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Psalm 131, verse 1, the psalmist said it like this, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. I've, I, 30 years, what, in a week? 30 years, we've been here 30 years, Brother J.R., in a week. Can y'all believe that? How has it been 30 years? And in 30 years of ministry, I've saw this happen. I've saw a brother or sister fall at Calvary Baptist Church, and it was bad. No, no doubt about it, it was bad. But most of our congregation began to pray for them, and, and uh, uh, they considered themselves. And, uh, but then there's, there's always this little handful. There's always this one little group, you know, of Pharisees in the church, and, and they say things like this, I can't believe they've done that. And then they say this, I would never, I would never do that. Let me tell you something, folks. You're heading for trouble when you say something like that. By the way, some of those same people who said that, I would never do that, guess what happened? They ended up not only stumbling, but most of them stumbled into the same exact sin that they said they would never stumble into. The same exact sin of the person they, they so heavily criticized. Now, now again, this is, this is all I'm saying. When, when, when we see somebody fall, you better make sure that, that th this is what you ought to say, but by the grace of God. You know what? If it wasn't for the grace of God, I could be that alcoholic. I could be that drug addict. Listen, when folks come into this spiritual hospital Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and, and, and you can tell they've come up on the rough side, and they don't look like you, and you can tell there's some issues. Oh, listen, don't look down on them when they come in here man go to them run to their aid run to their side pray for them lift them up point them to Jesus do everything you can why because the, the, the fact of the matter is were it not for the grace of God we'd all be in hell tonight so why why would why would the apostle Peter why would he not criticize the man that betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ number one I think Peter loved Judas Number two, I think Peter looked at Peter. Number three, quickly. Number three, I think that Peter listened to Scripture. Did you know that Scripture had prophesied that this event would happen? Long before Judas ever sold out for 30 pieces of silver, Scripture said that's exactly what he would do. Psalm 41, verse number eight, listen to this. Psalm 41, eight. Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. It's what we call a messianic psalm. And the Lord Jesus is, is uh, the psalmist is talking about that time when Jesus would be here and Judas would betray the Savior. Psalm 109, verse number eight, the Bible says, let his days be few, talking about Judas, let his days be few and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. 
Let his children be continually vagabonds and beg. Let them seek their bread also out of their desolate places. You say, Pastor, why did Peter not criticize Judas? I'll tell you why. Because somewhere along the line, Peter realized that Scripture had said this was going to happen. Now, Calvary, did you know tonight the more we read the Word of God, the better controlled our reactions are going to be. The more you read God's Word, the better controlled your reactions are going to be. Somebody says, you know, preacher, the world really mistreated me the other day. Well, you know what 1 John chapter 3, verse 13 says? Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And so you know what the scripture says? They're going to hate you. Somebody says, preacher, I'm really, I'm really, you know, I'm saved, but I'm really going through a trial right now. Well, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12 says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. In other words, don't be surprised. You know what scripture's saying? It's gonna happen. And so when we read the word of God, we read the word of God, it, 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 it helps us with our responses. Somebody, you know, a, a, a dear husband may say something like this, preacher, I don't understand. My little wife let something bother her the, day, uh, the other day and it was so small, it was so trivial. Well, brother, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, verse number 7, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now, this is all I'm saying. The more you read this book, the more you respond the way you ought to respond as a child of God. Why did Peter not criticize Judas? Number one, Peter loved Judas. Number two, Peter looked at Peter. Number three, Peter listened to Scripture, and we're done tonight. Last of all, I think Peter learned from Christ. He learned from Jesus. Would you take your Bibles tonight? We're done. And would you turn to Matthew chapter 26? Matthew chapter 26. Boy, I wonder, how did, how did the apostle Peter, that one that was always sticking his foot in his mouth, now he's got the perfect opportunity. Jesus is not there. Man, he has got the, he's got the opportunity to unleash on Judas and yet, we find his words are very appropriate and very Christ-like. You say, how was that, Pastor? I think, I think that, the, that Peter learned from the Lord. Look at Matthew 26, verse 51. Here they are in the garden. The Bible says this, this group has come to take the Lord. Verse 51, and behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword. By the way, that's Peter. And struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. By the way, if you think that Peter was aiming for his ear, I think you're mistaken. I think Peter was aiming for his head. And Malchus went like that and he went and, sli and, and, and sliced his ear right off. And look what happened. The Bible says in verse 52, then said Jesus unto him, put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. And then in verse 53, he said, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father? And he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? And you know what? The, Peter watched as the Lord Jesus Christ responds very calmly and in peace. And I just can't help but think 
that here's Peter's opportunity to really dig into Judas, and yet Peter remembers the Lord. And Peter decides to respond like Jesus would respond. By the way, before you respond, it's always a good idea to ask this question. What would Jesus do? Before you say what you want to say, it's a good idea to stop and say, what would Jesus say? Before you fire back at someone, it's always a good idea to stop and to think, what would Jesus do in this situation? Now, that's simple preaching tonight, but it's helpful preaching. I was listening to Dr. Johnny Pope. I love Brother Pope. And I was listening to him preach the other day, and, and uh, he was telling the story about when he was growing up uh, in, at home, and his, his daddy was a, a preacher, and, and his mom was a godly lady. And, and it's amazing how you can just be listening to a message, and all of a sudden just one thing just stands out in your mind. And Brother Pope was telling the story about when they were growing up and he said, when my mom and dad would go away for a little bit and they would leave us at home, he said, my mom would often say this, Johnny, be Jesus. Johnny, be Jesus. And I heard that and I thought, wow. Can I just encourage us tonight at Calvary Baptist Church in every single situation be Jesus. Be Jesus. If somebody mistreats you, be Jesus. If somebody doesn't shake your hand, be Jesus. If someone cheats you, be Jesus. If someone doesn't treat you the way that you think that you ought to be treated, be Jesus. Be Jesus. We're all in this thing together. I think it won't be long before we're all going to be going to heaven. Amen. And so can we just decide this? Can we just decide to love the Lord and just love each other? Amen. Man, just love each other and endeavor to keep the peace at Calvary Baptist Church. Amen. Simple words tonight. Let's, let's bow our heads this evening. Father, thank you for this time that we've been together tonight. Lord, what a What a day. And God, we thank you for the moving of the Spirit tonight. Lord, I'm glad that I was in my place. I'm glad that I got to, to be a part of this service. Father, would you help us to be Jesus? Lord, when we see people fall and stumble along the way, God, help us not to cast stones. Help us not to criticize. Very easy. Help us not to criticize. Lord, help us not to act like we're better than thou. But God, help us to be Jesus. Lord, give us some church members at Calvary Baptist Church tonight. And if they don't take away anything else from this message this evening, may they walk out of these doors and get in their vehicle tonight. And as they go down the road, may they say this, Lord, Help me to be Jesus. As I go to work tomorrow, help me to be Jesus. Lord, help me to be Jesus in my marriage. Help me to be Jesus to my children. God, help me to be Jesus. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight. I wonder how many are here this evening would say, preacher, if I died tonight, 
I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that between you and the Lord, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and you can take it back down. And I just wonder tonight if there might be one here tonight who would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I would go. I don't know. I'm not sure about heaven. I want to go, preacher, but I'm not sure about heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere tonight? Can I pray for you? I see that young hand. Is there another? Anybody else tonight? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Hey, child of God, can I ask you a question? Are you Jesus? Will you say, preacher, I'm not Jesus? No, but we ought to act like him. We ought to live like him. We ought to think like him. We ought to talk like him. We ought to act like him. Let's all stand tonight around the house. Father, have your way in this invitation. God, I pray that you'll you'll bring the increase from what's been done today, what's been sung, what's been preached, what's been taught. And God, I pray that you'll use it, that Jesus might receive more honor and praise and glory. Have thy way, Father, in the invitation. Lord, I pray for this one that raised their hand about salvation. And I pray that Lord, that you would help them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. God, I pray that you'd help us to go out of here determining that we're going to live our life like Christ, so different from the world. Have your way in this time. We thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, our heads are